Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, brothers and sisters and dear friends. Welcome to another episode of Salamcast. Uh, before I start, I want to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most merciful, the most just. All praises, glory, and gratitude uh, belong to Him for the works that we're doing. Uh, we've got a special guest today, um, which we've been kind of chasing up for quite a while. Uh, alhamdulillah, but we uh, was going to meet him in New York. Couldn't uh, met him in California when Hijab was having his debate. Alhamdulillah, it was a pleasure. Mufti Munir, how you doing? Alhamdulillah. May Allah bless you. Inshallah. Amen. Amen. Pleasure is mine. Inshallah. Yeah. Pleasure is mine. I need to learn from your swagger. Subhanallah. I can see you got some style. Subhanallah. And you know Musa. Yeah, he tries to help me with my style, but you know I. It just doesn't work. You know. But Alhamdulillah, may Allah bless you. Inshallah. I have my scholars that I go back to for style. Yeah. 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 Different different style. I'm just a student. Yeah. Mashallah. May Allah bless you. Inshallah. Amen. It's good though, you know. To have Yanni, because what it is, is especially with the youngsters, you know, one thing I'll just go straight into, inshallah, without wasting any time, is um, sometimes, like, the way I dress or my certain appearance, I do it on purpose for the dawah scene. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason I do it is because when it relate to the youngsters, and I see a lot of people implement that as well, and I think it works, you know. So, seeing you just, Yanni, you've got a nice jacket on there, but it, it has that connection to the youngsters. It's just that, you know, like, it looks cool. You know, and even be it like, for example, your style of talking, etc. Outer appearance, Yani, what would you personally say, Yani, for example, somebody like me adopting, Yani, like, for example, dressing up in a certain way sometimes, or like whoever it can be in general in Dawah. I know it's important for us to, you know, have the Islamic dress sense as well. Uh, but just like a general advice, what would you say, Yani? Clear, yeah. crystal clear. Yeah. Well, um, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Uh, like I just said, it's a pleasure for me to meet you again. Same, same. Allah bless you. Um, Allah brought us together in California, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't meant for us to be together <laughs> in New York. Yeah. With, you know, yeah. coast to coast, yeah, but yeah. the Qadr is like that. Yeah. Things work in ways that we don't always understand mm. or, you know, yeah. conventional to us, but Allah is in control. So it's a pleasure, alhamdulillah, to be here. Same. Um, I'm glad to be back here in the UK, to be honest. To be in London and other cities, Alhamdulillah, I've been enjoying my trip. May Allah accept it from us all. With that being said, I think it's a very important question, and I think um, that a lot of us lack balance. A lot of us lack proper understanding, the proper comprehension of the issue at hand. Mm. With regards to something being obligatory mm. versus something being recommended versus something being a cultural practice. Yeah. You see what I'm saying to you? If you want to wear it, wear it. If you don't want to wear it, don't wear it. Mm. Okay? My preference does not mean that I look down upon your preference. Mm. As long as it's not an issue of haram, halal. Yeah. That's a different story. Yeah. Or something in which there's a scholar or a speaker, and he does something, how he speaks or how he dresses, that's unbefitting. Mm. But if it's not unbefitting, even if it's just normal, I can't criticize you. Mm. If you decide to wear pants... Because you feel comfortable in pants. Yeah. Or that's what you feel is a means of appealing to the youth. Mm. I can't criticize you. Mm. Even though I have my own preference. Mm. Now, if my preference and your preference is halal haram, that's a different story. So oftentimes people, they lack that fiqh. Let alone balance. And even if it's an issue of haram, halal, disliked, recommended, etc. They lack balance. They just go too hard or too soft. So everything in Islam is based off of balance. Allah tells us in the Quran, He made us a just, balanced nation. Mm. Allah tells us that Allah Azza He placed the scale, huh? And not for you to transgress against the mizan, the scale. There's, there's balance in everything. Mm. So proper understanding, fiqh knowledge, and balance. Mm. Last but not least, is that you can only do what you believe is beneficial 
and effective and impactful yourself. So if you're traveling in different countries and you've noticed that the youth will listen to you just because of how you're dressed and they don't feel alienated or he's some type of saint or sheikh, he's above us, but he's relating to us, then that's what you got to stick with. You have to stick with what works. You have to stick with that which is practical. And oftentimes we become, you know, bewildered in theory. Theory is not practice. In the field is not what you, what you read and study what? In the books. So there was a, a statement once I read that came from ancient China. There was a, a great military general. Um, and he was, uh, he lived a great, you know, a great career, long career. He was very successful in his campaigns. Mm. Uh, and there was a newer, younger general that was, you know, he was training and taking him under his wing. Mm. So the first battle that they went to, he brought a, a, a wealth of books with him, mm. scrolls and all types of military, you know, books and this treatise and that treatise. Yeah. And the first thing that the older general says, he says, get rid of those books, throw them and discard them immediately because those books are of no use on the battlefield. So the point of the story is not that the knowledge is of no use, but that's all theory. Mm. Now, and this is practical. So many people, they talk about Dawa, or they talk about giving it a debate. How many debates have you given? How, how much street Dawa have you done? Mm. How many youth have you actually sat down and talked with and discussed with and the problems of the youth? Mm. So you have to go with that which you feel is effective as long as it's not impermissible. And as long mm. as you have the proper balance. And there lies no doubt the human nature and, and human psychology is that appearance is, 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 is of paramount importance. Yeah. And you can't deny that. Mm-hmm. Appearance is extremely important. Okay, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he asked the Prophet <laughs> with regards to the piece of clothing, the, 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 the cloak or the robe, he says, bihi. He says, you can beautify yourself when there is the Eid. And when there's the food, the delegates, they come to you. Yeah. And the Messenger of Allah he wouldn't take this silk garment mm. because, you know, silk for men, pure silk is haram. Mm. But the highlighting point in Sahih Bukhari is that Umar said that you can wear it to dress up yeah. and to present yourself when you have guests mm. and when there is an occasion and when there's something of special time. Mm. So this hadith, among many others, clearly proves is that appearance is what? Of paramount importance. How you mm. conduct yourself, how you hold yourself, and how people look at you. Mm. And oftentimes people, they think that just a beard, even though a beard is obligatory, but you're a saint. Yeah. Or they think just because you wear a thobe, you're automatically some type of saint. You may say, I'm just a normal Muslim. Mm. So we can't deny the reality of that. That people look at someone, how you talk, how you walk, what you say. Yeah. And people, uh, hypothetically speaking, they can relate to someone who's closer to them. Okay. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that a person of knowledge or a speaker or a caller always compromises. Mm. But we're not dealing with haram and halal right now. Because wearing the thobe is not... Obligatory. Mm. Tight pants, different story. Yeah. Beneath the ankles, different story. Mm. You're wearing pure silk, pure gold, this or what? Different story. Mm. But we're talking about pants that are permissible to wear. Yeah. So it's not necessarily an issue of compromising halal and haram because it's not what? It's not an issue of halal and haram. Mm. Even though that's a, a detailed discussion with regards yeah. to when you do compromise certain things for a maslaha which is clearly strong. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So, so, so thick balance... Experience, I think those are the three golden principles. Proper mm-hmm. understanding, proper balance, and most importantly, practical experience of what is effective in dawah mm-hmm. and the youth and that which is just in the what? In the books. Wallahu mm-hmm. You know, I want to, <clears throat> from this, I want to dive into two separate areas. I want to come to uh, youngsters looking to get married, and I want to talk about the religion be- becoming superficial. Um, so I'm going to start with this one first, and we're going to delve into the marriage part a bit deeper. So, 
do you believe sometimes the religions become so superficial in a way where we just look at a person's yani thobe his topi carrying a book with himself and i feel like like about 5 6 years i've been a muslim and i've just been observing you know and it just seems like we have made the religion so superficial that it's what you wear what you look like how long your beard is or how how many layers of niqab you have on uh, how yani and sometimes we we i come to this dilemma where i meet certain people like be it for example when i was looking to get married etc and you see the niqab there and then i feel this from sisters as well like there's a brother with a beard and a phobe but deep inside this empty mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where does this stem from like uh, is it because people give more importance to the outer and then you sometimes see these brothers or sisters or sister who might not wear the hijab and by the way when i mention this i'm not trying to say because i know there's people out there who take advantage like oh you know okay that's good so i don't need to wear the hijab but we're not seeing that what we're mm-hmm. seeing is sometimes you see hijabis like for example um that, that they don't wear hijab or a mm-hmm. brother who doesn't have a long beard and he's, mm-hmm. and he's he's dressing up a certain way but then you look at him and you see like that he's lacking the outer but inside it's you know you can see things of clear There's something I'd, wrong. i've never understood that mm-hmm, I've, mm-hmm. I've just never like and obviously you have also let's have the other third category which brothers are who alhamdulillah and sisters outer and inner is there mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i'm talking about and may allah make us like those that's our target why does it happen mufti why why mm. yeah well it, it is a phenomenon you can't deny that yeah it's reality yeah all right um in uh, Western countries, in the Middle East, and in other <coughs> countries as well. And it's brought all different types of negative stereotypes, negative stigmas, negative uh, uh, effects mm. of outwardly righteous, inwardly void. Or not inwardly void, but the concept of you're supposed to be religious. You're not supposed to do this. You can't do mm. that. It's, it's reality. Yeah. All right. And you experience it wherever you go. Yeah. I think that I'm. Um, uh, we always have to remember that the Prophet Sallallahu has told us that the believers who are, most, who are most perfect in faith are those who have the most perfect character, mm-hmm. the most perfect mannerisms, the good akhlaq, and that is a manifestation of iman in the heart. So if you're wearing a thobe or wearing a beard or wearing a niqab and your character is foul, you, you talk ill you speak ill mm. your 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 mannerisms are bad there's something wrong and it's something that you got wrong when you were learning and studying and there's something wrong with your iman mm. and that's because the prophet alayhi sallam he clearly says in the akmal al-mu'minina imanan ahasinuhum akhlaqan the hadith says the believers who are most perfect in iman are those who have the best character so if i have a beard which is a manifestation of iman a niqab, which is a manifestation of a man, uh, overgarment, whatever the case is, mm. that has to be a reflection of the in, and the in has to be a reflection of the what? Of the out. That's what they say, every vessel sweats what's inside it. Okay, yeah. so the concept of it is something isn't wrong. And the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, it teaches us about everything. Mm. How to eat, how to dress, how to relieve ourselves, how to live, and how to behave, mm. first and foremost with Allah. Secondly, with ourselves. Thirdly, with people, with human beings, with animals. So there's no type of reaction that the human being can go through except that it's mentioned what? In these types of books. Mm-hmm. It's mentioned. And that's why we have Kitab al-Zuhd. And we also have Kitab al-Libas. The book of clothing yeah. and the book of riqaq, heart softening. Mm-hmm. So, like I just said, fiqh, proper knowledge, and balance. 
And most importantly is, is that we have to realize that we all represent Islam. Mm. When someone sees you wearing a beard, they don't think about you, but they think about Muslims. So do you want to embarrass Islam? Mm. Do you want to give Islam a bad name? Do you want the people to say, oh, look at the Muslims. They're hypocrites. Look at the Muslims. Look what they do to their wives. Look at how they behave with each other. So you have to be mindful of this. So it's a balance, okay? Mm. People, there there are extremists on both sides. Okay. Those who say, I don't have to wear a beard. Mm. I don't have to do this because there are this and there are yes, that. Yes. As you said, that's wrong. Yeah. And then there are those who only think that it's outward. Mm. He has a beard and a thobe. Oh, bismillah. Mm. And then there are those who are balanced. Those who try to fear Allah. They try to be conscious of Allah. They try to have the good akhlaq. Mm. They try to have the good ibadah. They try to dress the best way they can. And they're not perfect. They're, they're humans. Mm. But at the same time, they're making a sincere what effort mm. not to just be an outward Muslim yeah. and just wear a piece of clothing. Mm. So the Quran, it, talks, it speaks on this phenomena, the concept of blood on Eid Adha, mm. that the blood in the flesh doesn't reach Allah. Yeah, that doesn't go to Allah, but the taqwa of Allah, Azzawajal, the taqwa that you have, which is founded in the heart and manifested in the limbs. Mm. That's the thing that, it, that it really counts. Yeah. But the animal and the sacrificial animal is, is just... Yeah, I need, that, that's not the main thing right mm -hmm. now. So, so the Quran and the Sunnah, uh, it, it discusses uh, these issues. Many hadiths in which the Prophet ﷺ warned us from just being people of the outward mm -hmm. and neglecting the what? The inward. Mm -hmm. And of course, there are extremists who do the, the opposite Both as well, yeah. without a doubt. Mm -hmm. So, balance. It's all about what? It's all about balance. And one of the most important principles of the religion is Tazkiyat Nufus, purification of the soul. And uh, oftentimes people, they become oversensitive when that word is mentioned because of other groups or ideologies. Mm -hmm. But that is from the sunnah. That's one of the most basic concepts. Exactly. Well, yeah. That's from the usul. That's purification yeah. of the companions. And that was the Prophet One of his most important uh, uh, tasks was to purify them inwardly and outwardly. Okay, yeah. That's what yeah. I was saying. Okay, and just going from there. So for example, now when it comes to marriage as well, like... I've mentioned to you about my marriage documentary before. Mm -hmm. It's, it's mm -hmm. two and a half years late as well. Um, it's it's my search in getting married. So okay. what I'm sharing with the people is how to go about the right ways. Okay. The struggles that I faced, uh, the racism that I got, mm -hmm. not finding the right person, how to get to know someone in the right manner. We go through the fiqh of it as well. So for example, when you get to know somebody, the question you should ask, what they can ask, uh, can you go out um, together with the father there, etc. What's the limits? We talk about all of that. <coughs> But one aspect that I personally saw and a lot of people message me about is, and they fall for this, is the, again, it comes to the, the, the appearance, you know, like, um, oh, I thought this brother, uh, yani, they're making their decisions based on that. Now, there's one advice that I give, and maybe you can give me advice on my advice, um, inshallah, is that what I say to them is the per a, a sister who wears niqab, be it hijab, be it abaya, be it the... Uh, um, or a brother who wears the thobe or the beard, whatever it may be. And I'm trying to word it in the best way possible, but you shouldn't, you know, that shouldn't be a deal. Like, like, okay, if this person has this. A deal okay. breaker. Yeah, like for example, okay, yeah. Oh, this sister, she has niqab, she wears jilbab, yeah. Because a lot of people I've seen, it comes back to the clothing thing. They marry this person and they say, when I went home, this guy, this girl is... Yani, what totally I different. saw, and yani, it's two totally separate things. So, I would like an advice from yourself because, uh, regarding marriage. Youngsters, mm -hmm. what should they look out for? What should they be careful for? 
Um, and because a lot of people want to say, I know brothers who, you know, the sister, yeah, niqab, went home. It, you know, there is, it's, everything's out the window. You're thinking, you know, <laughs> and bro, yes, brothers as well, yeah, he was wearing a fob, he was an imam, he was there so that he had a long beard, went home. Or, well, yeah, yeah. So yeah. H- how do they be careful? How, how could one not fall for this? Because at the end of the day, you can't help it. When you look from the apparent, you can't assume the worst. You can't come and say, okay, you know, maybe he's an alcoholic. Of course, you're not going to think that. Perfect. But a lot of people fall for this. So I want like a general marriage advice for youngsters and also for those who might see a brother. And what happens sadly is because they tarnish the image of everyone because they look like you. Or, right. or, he was a master. Yes. Now and everyone is like that. Yes. And, and how do we counterbalance that? Because it's one of the biggest problems that I think. Clear. Okay, I'll, I'll give you a personal um, story. <coughs> Something that happened to me in my life. Mm. Um, when I was in the College of Hadith, um, the eighth semester, which is in the fourth year, anyone who wishes to apply for the master's program, he has to take the exam before he's actually graduated. Okay. So you take the exam for the master's degree before you're finished bachelor's degree. Mm. But the chances of you failing the eighth semester and applying for the master's program are slim to none. You have no business applying for a master's degree yeah. if you have the thought of possibly failing mm. in the bachelor's. Yes. Yes. So I think it was about maybe uh, how many people took the test. Uh, maybe thirty of us, thirty-two people yeah. from two different classrooms, and the people that got it that actually passed the exam, I think, were like twenty-four, twenty-four or twenty-five people that actually mm. passed the exam. So before we knew that we had actually passed the exam, um, a lot of brothers were upset and they were mad and they were sad because the exam was nothing how they expected. And I'm talking about my classmates, these guys had memorized everything, studied day and night for months, let alone what they already knew and the grades mm-hmm. they were already getting, mm-hmm. high GPAs. Yeah. But when they, the, exa- the exam came, it was totally different than how they expected it. Okay. And the teachers asked a lot of peculiar questions, questions that were unorthodox, they weren't expecting. Mm. And me personally, I remember answering several questions on the exam that I didn't even get from the College of Hadith, from external sources, Alhamdulillah, I had the ability to answer. But if you hadn't sat with this or read this book or read this sharh, you would have been lost. Mm. So we took the exam and it took about maybe a couple of weeks for the results to come out. And the brothers were stressed, they were upset, and we would make jokes about the master's <laughs> program. We would call it a sanam, we call it an idol. And the people, they're worshiping idols. They hope for it and they fear it. The master program is everything. Brothers were about to cry, they were upset. Like the world is over, we, we failed the exam. Then the results came out, alhamdulillah. And the brothers were shocked. Oh, I passed the exam, alhamdulillah. Mm. Uh, like the Quran says, you mm. know, uh, their faces, they become blue. And then when we give them what? Yeah. When we rescue them, they what? Yes, yeah. Shirun. They have glad tidings again. <laughs> so that's the first level of the master's program. After that, you have to take a Quran exam in which there's a certain amount of the Qur'an that you have to recite and be able to prove that you've memorized it. Mm. And the third and final step of getting into the master's program is a personal exam in which they have the students outside of a room, three senior professors inside of a room, mm. and they call in the student one by one, one by one. So we're sitting out there, we're talking, and we're like, what's going on? What are they saying? What, they're, what are they asking? Yeah. So when I got into the room, it was three professors sitting at a table, and literally, it's like something out of a movie, literally. Mm. Yeah. They start interrogating you and asking questions, good cop, bad cop. Mm. He says something, he says something, and everything that they asked you is a trick question. None of the questions were real. It was a trick question, a fake question. 
And they're like, nah, I'm right, Sheikh. And they're going back and forth, playing a game like it's a real piece of information. <laughs> so if you stuttered or you sweat or you, you fell into the trap, they wouldn't accept you. So alhamdulillah, I answered all the trick questions in the correct way, all right? Alhamdulillah. So the, what's the point I'm trying to get to is, is that these scholars of hadith, these doctors, they knew that anyone could pass a test. Anyone could recite some Quran. But you have to be of a certain caliber to be able to what? Not to get fooled. And you're only going to answer the trick question based off of what you really feel and know in your heart. Mm. So if you stutter and say, oh, no, I didn't mean that, la, mm. he's really not serious. Mm. So the advice that I give, what's the point of the story? I'm trying to make a very important yeah. point. Just like what they did with Imam al-Bukhari. Mm. They tricked him or they tried to trick him, but it didn't work. Yeah. Okay, Imam al-Bukhari was so famous. He was so popular. He had such a high level of repute and he was renowned around the world. But there were skeptics. Mm. Many people were skeptical about a man of Bukhari. Mm -hmm. Maybe he just sits in his house and he writes the hadith. So when he went to Baghdad, after the many times that he went to Baghdad, the people, they sat around and they said, we're going to trick him. We're going to take a hundred hadiths yeah. with a hundred chains of narrations and we're going to mix and match. Mm -hmm. And there are ten shayukh, um, each sheikh takes ten hadith, and he's going to take isnad here and the metan there, mm -hmm. mix and match. Mm -hmm. And they all threw him at Imam al-Bukhari. Mm -hmm. So the first sheikh, he asked the ten questions. Imam al-Bukhari says, la alam, I don't know. Then the second, then the third, and the people in the crowd are like, whoa, what is this? He's embarrassing himself. Mm. He knows nothing. A hundred <laughs> hadiths is nothing with the isnads. Mm. But then when they got to the ninth sheikh and the tenth sheikh, some people in the crowd start saying, wait, no. Imam al-Bukhari is really smart. Imam al-Bukhari, he smelt a trap. Mm -hmm. And after the tenth sheikh gave the one hundredth hadith, Imam al-Bukhari says, I know none of these hadiths. And the people say, oh, he doesn't know anything. Imam mm. al-Bukhari is a sham. Yeah. And the others said, no, he's smart. And then Imam al-Khwari, he says, أَمَّا حَدِيثُكَ الْأَوَّلِ فَحَدَّثَنَا فُلَانِ قَالْ أَخْبَرَنَا فُلَانِ قَالْ 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 رَسُولُ اللَّهِ And he ran through all hundred hadiths. And then the people, they realized that Imam al-Khwari was a true prodigy and he was a genius. But that's not the most amazing part of the story. The most amazing part of the story is how Imam al-Khwari memorized the mistake. No way. He memorized the hundred hadiths that were wrong, repeated them, then gave the correct version of those hadiths. So what's the point? What does that have to do with marriage, you're asking me? Hadith, what's the, what's the connection? What's going on? The connection is, <laughs> is that sometimes you have yeah. to ask trick questions. Mm. And everyone is ready for the answer. What are the conditions of la ilaha illallah? Where mm. is Allah? Okay. Uh, uh, is it haram to do this? Yeah. Is it haram to do that? Yeah. So someone's faking the fun, quote unquote. They're not really living how they're preaching and talking. Mm. Okay, I see. They have ready-made answers. Yes, yes, yes. So there's one brother... He came to me in New York and he says, Mufti, I want to get married. What should I ask her to sit down? Mm. I want to, you know, what if she has this problem? I said, ask her. Don't ask her, does she listen to music? But ask her, what's her favorite song? Ask her, what's your favorite song of this rapper or this musician or Beyonce or Drake? Whatever the <laughs> stuff that they listen to today. Just be, re be realistic. I said it to her. I said, what's your favorite Drake song? What's your favorite Beyonce song? And the brother started cracking up. He started laughing like, Mufti, you're crazy, man. I said, ask her the question. If she stutters and say, no, it's haram, then you know that it's what? She's not really telling the truth. But if she says, what? I don't listen to Beyonce or Drake. I stuck for the law. Yeah. Then inshallah ta'ala, she doesn't listen to what? <laughs> listen to music. So the point of the, the moral of the story is, is that sometimes to get the actual information yeah. and to see someone's true nature, you have to ask them a what? Mm. A trick question. <laughs> because you catch somebody slipping. So if there's someone who's really not righteous, no matter how big his beard is or how black his sajda mark is, you ask him trick questions. Mm. And you can see how he reacts 
in a situation in which something is being thrown at him that he's not ready for. Mm. So that's my advice. You want to know if someone drinks, ask them their favorite drink. When's the last time you had a drink? And see their response. Mm. And you'll be shocked how effective this simple technique is. You'll be shocked. No, don't go into more detail. We'll probably add some bits to the marriage documentary so they can watch but it. But you don't do it. I got it. You got the point I'm trying to get? <laughs> I got, I Makes got sense? Yeah, yeah. May Allah bless you. That's actually very vital. May Allah bless you, inshallah. Um, okay, one question that I think maybe a lot of people are asking. Oh, man. <laughs> that we all want to know is... Um, well, I, I'm, I, just, I just heard a story. That's what I want to know, yeah? Um, are you a mufti? Allah, I <laughs> Everybody's asking this question because I heard there's like a story behind it. I'm asking for the reasons because I want to hear the story uh, more than this actual <laughs> question. <laughs> where does is, is is, this title, or is it a kunya? Where does it come from? <laughs> well, this kunya, or this nickname, or lakab, whatever you want to call it, yeah. uh, for one reason or another, <laughs> has been the story of my life. <laughs> Ever since, it's been the story of my life. You have people who love it, the name, the title, whatever it is. Yeah. And then you have some people who hate it, mm. and it makes them sick to the stomach. Yeah. And then you have some people who actually want to know, where did you get the name from? Yeah. Where did you get the title from? Yeah. So I could tell you many, 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 many stories about it, the yeah. term, the yeah. name yeah. Mufti. Yeah. Things that you wouldn't believe if I told you, okay? Yeah. At the end of the day, um, I've been interviewed many times about my life story, mm. how I started seeking knowledge, was I born Muslim, am I a revert, how did I go to Medina, yeah. etc. Yeah. And I, alhamdulillah... I, I believe that I've shared this part of my life many times. Yeah. All right, so when I was younger, I used to work in a barber shop, and there was this um, <laughs> was an older brother named Brother Hanif, yeah. right? And I used to look up to him. He knew a little bit of Arabic, alhamdulillah. He used to help people out. He, you know, he was like, like an imam in the community, mm. not the community where I was from. Mm. He was from 52nd Street, okay. all right? And I'm from 61st Street. My local master is 60th Street. Yeah. So... He used to come to the barbershop and he used to always talk. And I used to love when he talked. Mm. He would talk about Islam, he would talk about this one, he would talk about that one. Mm. So, um, he would talk about different brothers that went overseas and studied. Mm. This brother, he went to Morocco, he went to Saudi, he went to Yemen. This guy's smart, this guy's this. He finished the island program, <laughs> but he has this problem. He's Ash'ari, he's Salafi, blah, 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 blah. That's what mm. he would say in the barbershop. And I would mm. always be listening. And um, I would ask him certain questions about learning Arabic, you know, what to do. And he saw that I was inquisitive. He saw that I, you know, Allah had blessed me with some type of intelligence. I was articulate. Mm. I was trying to do the right thing, and I was trying to use my natural talents to seek knowledge. Mm. So he said, inshallah, don't worry. He said, if you keep doing what you're doing, he says, you'll be a mufti before 40. <laughs> he says, before 40 years old, you'll be a mufti. All right? Cool. So that had an effect on me. Mm. So now, let's, let's leave that now. So I started studying more Arabic. I started learning more, memorizing more. Um, I met Brother Musa. Uh, from uh, Medina University, mm. I started hanging out with them, and we started being, you know, we were hardcore, mm. reading and studying, it was serious, mm. this was before I even graduated school, you know, I had my mindset on going overseas after I met, you know, Brother mm. Musa, yeah. so uh, one day, there was a speaker who came from the, from the Middle East, I won't mm. mention his name, because mm. I benefited from him, I'm not going to mention his name, he mm. came to the Middle East, and um, he gave some talks, and one of the talks that he gave was, is that any masjid that's not Salafi, if it's a Hizbi masjid, mm. then it is Masjid Dirar. All of the masajid mm. in America, which are not upon the, 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 the dawah, mm. Masjid Dirar, Masajid Dirar. Did they ask you to put on fire as well? La, nah, 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 okay. nah, don't go that far. <laughs> oh, yeah. He said that you can't pray in those masjids. Mm. And if you pray in those masjids, Sahat Salatuk Mal Ithim. 
Your prayer is valid, but you're sinful for praying in the masjid oh, of okay. Qira. Well, at least he said it's valid, subhanAllah. Uh, so yeah. we abandon all those masjids. Yeah. We stop going to this masjid, we stop going to that masjid, we, 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 we establish our own or we pray wherever we could. Mm. So one day, it was a long time went by, many, many months, I haven't seen Brother Hanif. Mm. So he saw me on a corner, I think it was 47th and Walnut, right across the street from my high school. And up the street, maybe on 48th or 49th and Walnut, were the brothers, and I was going to meet with them. So he, he, he pulled up, he said, Salaam alaikum. So I was like, Walaikum Salaam. So he's like, you know, like, come here, you know, give me a handshake. <laughs> so I still had love for him, but like, all that stuff was placed into my heart, like, you know, like, Masjid Dirar Ahl al It was hardcore, gung ho. So he's like, come here, young Mufti. He said, you're not going to speak to me, young Mufti? <laughs> he said, young Mufti, you can't give me salams? So I walked over, I gave him salams. He's like, you know, like, what's wrong? I was like, nothing's wrong, Shake. And then he left. So I went, I seen Brother Musa, <coughs> Muhammad Nubi, the crew, all right? And I said, I saw Brother Fulan. And they said, oh, yeah, what are you talking about? I said, he called me Young Mufti. <laughs> it's like, Young Mufti? It's like, yeah, it's like, oh, man, Young Mufti, that sounds nice. <laughs> so they went from Young Mufti and says, what? Mufti. <laughs> so they gave me the name based off of what mm. he said. And ever since, uh, ever since then, it stuck with me. Mm. And everybody that I met and encountered, they just say, Mufti, 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 mm. Mufti. All my family, everyone, mm. they stopped calling me Muhammad. They started calling me what? Yeah. Mufti. Mm. So as time went on, um, the more jealousy that I encountered mm. from my peers, I started to notice that people started having a problem with it. Mm. And they started making jokes about it. And mm. they started asking questions about it. All right? But all of the people that I were around in general, you know, they called mm. me Mufti. Mm. So I had brothers approach me about it. Is your name Mufti? Are you Al-Mufti? Is it Alif or the Lamb, or is it just Mufti? Yeah. So I told one brother, I said, no, it's just without the Alif. He said, okay, Alhamdulillah. You're not Al Mufti, no problem. It's, it's yeah. you're Jews. Yeah. And also, I had even teachers joke about it in the Islamic University of Medina. Mm. Uh, I think it was in my third year of school. We had a fiqh teacher. He was the son of a popular sheikh in Medina, yeah. Sheikh Abdul Rahab uh, uh, Aqil. All mm. right. So his son was our fiqh teacher. So one day, he's in the classroom. And uh, he's just, you know, talking to the students, asking where they're from, what country are you from, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So he's like, nah, I'm yeah, Amriki, right? Mm -hmm. Muhammad Hamid, that's my name on paper. Yeah. So he said, where are you from? Sheikh Muhammad Hamid. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm from Philadelphia. He said, Philadelphia? I said, yeah. He said, hmm. Mufti. <laughs> he says, you're the Mufti of Philadelphia. I'm like, what are you talking about, Sheikh? He says, nah, I've heard about you. They call you Mufti. So I'm in a classroom, so I'm like trying to deny it. Because yeah. you know, all my classmates, they're going you know, yeah. to roast me. Yeah. So they're like, what? You're Mufti of America? You're Mufti of Philadelphia? Mm. He says, nah, 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 this is the Mufti of America. So they all started getting on me, man. Mm. And then they started calling, you know, Mufti. Yeah. Making, making a joke, but it, it was like, you know, mm. big deal. So another time it was a Sheikh that was coming for, uh, uh, I was translating. At the time, and uh, a brother, I won't mention his name, he was joking around with me. He said, uh, Mufti, he says, I'm going to tell the sheikh that your name is Mufti. I'm going to refute you right now. Mm -hmm. And I said, la, la, la. He said, I'm going to tell him. Mm -hmm. So the sheikh came. He said, nah, me a sheikh. This is Mufti of America. This is Mufti. They call him Mufti. Mm -hmm. Right? So he said, Tayyip, no problem. Why can't he be a Mufti? He quotes the ulama and he gives you the fatwa. So be it. Let him be a Mufti. Yeah. So as the years went on, and I developed and I changed and many, many different people I've removed myself from, mm. which is known. Mm. And, and, and Allah Azzawajal blessed me. I consider it as a blessing mm. that I've removed myself from, from many negative, toxic people mm. and misunderstandings of the sunnah mm. and the way of the salaf. So as friends became foes, or as we say, best friends become what? 
become strangers. Mm. Uh, brothers, they, they stop calling me Mufti. And they'll say, Muhammad ibn Munir. Yeah. Like, you know, you've been demoted. Yeah. You no longer have that honorific name. You're now just Muhammad. Even though we called you Mufti for 15 years, but now you're just Muhammad. Mm. And the, the, the one that some people call Mufti. So you just see the immaturity of the people. And I'm sorry, forgive me if I won't say something wrong, but just the stupidity of the people. If you call someone a name for 15 years, yeah. they're no longer your friend. They're no longer walking your path. Why does their name magically change? Mm. In which you say, yo, Muf, like like a friendly name. Now mm. it's just Ibn Munir. Yeah. So I mean, you just see a lot of stupidity, a lot of immaturity of people. But the point is, that's how I got the name. That's where it came from. And nowadays, some people look at it as a nickname. Some people look at it as a first name. And some people look at it as an actual title. Okay, we were in Malaysia, and we visited uh, Dr. Zakir Naik in his apartment. Yeah. And when he came out and he met us, he says, who's, who's Mufti Ibn Munir? <laughs> he didn't know who, you know, who I yeah, was. Yeah. It's like, it's him right there. He said, you're Mufti? He said, I thought you were from Pakistan or India with the name <laughs> Mufti. Yeah, they call themselves that. Right, no yeah. one uses that name from yeah. the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sheikh, Ustad, mm. brother. But mm. Mufti is like, you know, you have to be Pakistani yeah, yeah. to have that name. <laughs> so it's always been a, 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 a point of interest for many people. And... The reason why I'm telling the story is because you asked me, mm. um, and everyone always asks, where'd you get the name from? Mm. But the moral of the story is, and Allah knows best, the moral of the story is, is that it was inspirational to me. Mm. You see what I'm saying to you? Yeah, and it it's deep that he said that, me being 34 now. Mm. You see what I'm saying to you? And I don't consider myself no mufti or no scholar or anything. I'm just a student mm. of knowledge, a beginner, mm. honestly. Mm. We're just in the beginning mm. of, of, of the beginning. You see what I'm saying mm. to you? Seeking knowledge and teaching, but we do try. Yeah. We try to, to learn and we try to propagate the knowledge. Mm. So the point is is that it was inspiration. Yeah. And I looked up to that brother and it's deep that he said that and he saw the potential and the talent in me. And that was mm. a lot of 20 something years ago. Even more than that. I was young, maybe like 16 or 15 at the time. You so see so what I'm if saying? I do my maths right, 15, 16, 20 years ago. So you're about 34. You're 34? 34. Yeah, going on 35 <laughs> in July, inshallah. So the, the, that's the moral of the story mm -hmm. is that older brothers, they should have the ability to, to, to spot talent and potential and they should encourage the youth. Yeah. And wallahi, I, I, was, I was affected by that. And I aspired to be what Allah would decree for me to be. Isn't that crazy that just a statement of, I, mean, I, I don't know, and he, maybe he truly believed in you. But even if he said it as a joke, but that impact it had on you, no doubt, and the journey that he took you on with those words mm -hmm. is so powerful. You know, even mm -hmm. we know I can't remember off my head, but you know, a lot of scholars were. I don't know if it was Imam Bukhari, his mother would dress him up in like, or Imam Ahmed um, in scholars' dressings, uh, in clothing, so he can, you know, and it's it's just those things, you know, because even if like I'm in the Dawah scene, and to be honest. Um, I don't need to say this out of humbleness, but you know, I I I, I could easily say maybe I'm one that's the least knowledgeable. Uh, but the passion that I have for Dawah and the passion to learn as well, and alhamdulillah with my teachers who helped me and correct my mistakes, um, it's that. I mean, the Dawah scene, and it, it prevents me from so much sins. That's right. It protects me from so much sins that's and right. so much like because just the fact being that busy with it. just being busy with it. I'm being honest, just being busy with it just protects you from so much sins. And you know, some people come out, you know. Uh, you're not a daddy. I said, look, I don't claim to be a daddy. I'm being honest with you. I do not claim to be a daddy. I'm just out there just doing something that I believe might make some little changes. It also helps me more. To be honest, I'm doing this more for myself. Your spirituality it, yourself. It helps me more. You know, if you have seen me from sins and I'm busy, busy myself with doing dawah, 
Alhamdulillah, okay, don't take me. Don't call, I don't know. I don't want no one to. Yani, even the name. Yani, I didn't really choose. I was. Yani, I, since you asked why they call me Mufti, I'll tell you why they go with Ali Dawa. Ali Dawa. Huh? <laughs> like, I don't even like deserve it. There's nothing special about it, but it's just, I used to call myself Ali Jahiliya. I came, I came to Islam and I was one day sitting with Musa in his house. I was like, what, what can I, I was like, I need, I need a, like, some kind of a name. You know, it's just, because my name, my, my real name is not Ali. Yeah. And my real name is like, is Erdi. And it's hard to pronounce because when I say something, huh, what, how do you pronounce it? Just, just call me Ali. Yeah. Right. So I was just thinking, yeah, what can I call myself? And then Alhamdulillah, I used to work with uh, a different brother, may Allah bless him as well. And he helped me as well, mashallah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I clear, mean, yeah, crystal yeah. clear. Yeah, may Allah bless him as crystal well, inshallah. Clear. Yeah, yeah, and we have our little differences. But, you know, I, I still, and he's done a lot for me as well. I can't forget that. Clear. May Allah bless him, yeah. I mean, he helped me as well a lot. You know, we came up with this uh, da wow. I was like, yeah, wow. Yeah, some wow into the da'wah. Alhamdulillah, but I, I just thought to myself, yeah, Ali, you know, I do da'wah, I just call it Ali Dawa. Ali Dawa, why not? Yeah, I just want yeah, just give it. Yeah, I didn't, it's I didn't catchy. give it too much. It sounds good. It's catchy. Yeah, I just my, my name was just so it just easily remembered. You know, it's just it's just easily remembered. I don't need to. Uh, this is my. This is how you pronounce it and etc. You gotta be mindful of these things. Yes, everything because it's, it's just a marketing strategy. You know, That's at, right. at you the end of the day, mindful. this is the kalam of Allah. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you see different people with different products. You know, they have. This phone, iPhone, you know, the marketing that goes into it, you know, call it Apple, iPhone, right. etc. Right. Right. This is the kalam of Allah. This is more dear to us than any other product. That's right. So, yani, even the way we present it, the way we conduct ourselves, what we say, we need to put yani, emphasis on it and put yani, excellence into it. That's um, right. Quality. I, yes, we, we have to, you know. And I think it's really, really important. And yeah, that's it, Mufti. I, I, mean, if, I mean, my yeah. advice to you, Akhi, you know, Jazakallah Khairan for hosting mm. me, is, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Perfection is for Allah, yeah. like we said, yeah. we were in California. Yeah. No one's perfect, starting with myself. We all have flaws, mm. we all have mistakes. Yeah. And, and this was known to the pious predecessors. Mm. And uh, this is one of the most neglected and abandoned etiquette or pieces of etiquette yeah. of the, the way of the Salaf. Mm. Is that no one is free from mistake. Yeah. And you have to be just. And that's why they would say, إِذَا أَرَدْتَ أَن تَعْلَمَ خَطَأَ مُعَلِّمِكَ فَجَالِسْ غَيْرَهُ it will make this this iconic statement. Whenever you want to see the mistakes or the shortcomings of your teacher, sit with someone else. That's yes. the exact opposite today. Exactly. He has mistakes and this one, no mistakes. Exactly. Or we haven't found them yet. Mm. Yeah. So so yeah. It, you it being a being a da'ya, mm. being someone who's involved in media, it doesn't mean that you have to be Ibn Taymiyyah walking down the street. Mm. That's not a condition that you're Ibn al Qayyim, that you know mm. everything. Yeah. What's important is that you know what you're talking about. Yes. That what you don't know what you're talking about, you refrain from. You refer to those who do. Exactly. And there are different levels of da'wah and there are different aspects of da'wah. Everyone mm. doesn't have to speak. Mm. We need conversation. People do charitable work. Yes. And we said this. We we're in California. Yes, yes, yes. Debating yes, is yes. all we, mm. huh? Uh, uh, the, 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 we all help each other. Yes. And we play as a team. Yes. So, you know, inshallah ta'ala, just be, be positive, sure. focus. Mm. And, you know, if you believe in your heart that that's the truth, don't let no one deter you from it. Nobody. Mm. No, no sheikh or no student or no brother can tell you that you conversating with people and trying to do what you can is a bad thing. Mm. You have to do what's in your heart, mm. and you know yeah. your reward bidden in that title will, will be with Allah. Inshallah, I mean, Zakallah khair. Allah bless you, Inshallah. I mean, I mean, brothers and sisters, uh, Inshallah, from another episode from Salam Cast, Inshallah. Uh, Till next time, hope you guys enjoy this. Share it with your friends and family. We're gonna take Mufti Inshallah to speak his corner. Uh, have you been there before? First time. Yeah, okay, inshallah. We're going to go there uh, and show him around, inshallah. It's, they've turned into a bit of a circus recently, but inshallah, there'll be no lions. Um, because we're, we're bringing a lion. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. So, I was talking about myself, by the way. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking.